Stand in your presence, Lord, we open our hearts and minds to you. It is our desire to continue to grow and mature, Lord, as mature sons and daughters who do what you ask. We do not want you just to be resident in us. We want you to be president in us. We want you to lead us, guide us, and express your life through us. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We thank you for clarity of the Word of God that will bring forth 30, 60, and even 100-fold. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm excited this morning. We're going to continue on obedience. Now, next week is Mother's Day. And so all of you natural mothers, spiritual mothers, man, kudos to you. Where would we be without godly mothers and fathers in the faith? But next Sunday is Mother's Day. We're going to get into, you've probably seen the signs at the entrances for a while about introducing the Holy Spirit. One of the teachings of Jesus is the coming of the Holy Spirit. We sang about it this morning that he came, right? He lived, he died, he rose again, but don't miss the fourth part. And now he lives in us. In and through the Holy Spirit, who is uh, basically the the Christ life on the inside of the church and on the inside of the believer. So we'll get into that next week, but I want to finish up on obedience here this morning. Uh, So activation time is going to be John 8, 41 and 42. Please eat that passage, sit with Jesus in that passage. More important than reading the Bible is sitting with the author. So make sure you invite Jesus into your time. That's what we'll be looking at this week as a church family. Uh, Jesus taught what we've looked at so far, truth. He taught God is our Father. He taught the Father's kingdom is accessible now. Can you imagine a living, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ on the inside of you? That is the gospel of the kingdom of God that Jesus preached and delivered. Uh, regeneration is how that happens, how it begins. That's We looked at that. And then number five, Jesus taught and, and demonstrated obedience from the heart. So let's look at Luke 6, 46, one of our favorites. Why, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? <laughs> Everybody's like, amen. <laughs> kind of like 1 John 3, 8 says, whoever sins is of the devil. And we're like, yikes, okay. <laughs> Need to rightly divide that one. All right, Luke six forty nine. He goes on to say, "Whoever heard what I said and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth with no foundation. And the stream came and and beat against it, and the ruin of the house was great. So when we hear His word and act upon it, then we're stable, we're secure. You're going to have trials in the natural world." You realize man has free will, and that includes fallen man. So there's great tragedy that happens and, and suffering and trial on this planet. But in John 16, Jesus said, Be of good cheer. I've overcome the natural world for you. I've overcome its adversity by giving you access to the Spirit. So we want to hear His Word. We want to act upon it, and that stabilizes us for life's storms. We've been talking about the importance of obedience, but it's from a New Covenant perspective a new covenant economy. You're not living out of debt to God like somehow if you do something right now, let's call it even. Okay? He doesn't, he doesn't owe you anything for good behavior. He put Himself in you. The good behavior coming out of you is Him. <laughs> but the flesh likes credit, right? 
Jesus said there's none good but God. So the good that's in and through us is Him and us uh, with Him as His offspring. So we're not living from debt. We're living from a place of union. We're living from a place of oneness with Christ. I'm not, I'm not doing what He asks so He'll love me. I'm doing what He asks because He already loves me. And I love Him. I'm not earning anything. This is the new covenant. We've been reconciled. 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 Consiled comes from the word consolidate. So if the bank consolidates your debt, they take all of it and make it into one. So you've been reconciled. You're one with God. Everything you do, you're doing from Him. Not for Him. Amen, somebody? You're doing it from Him and with Him. Came out again at Prayer Shield yesterday. God never asked us to do anything that we would go and do apart from Him. Everything He invites us to do is a partnership. That we do it together. Touch your neighbor and say, we're going to do it together. But we've been talking about 70% of Americans say they're Christian. Well, there should be some evidence of that. There should be some fruit of 7 out of 10 of us. Claiming to be Christ followers. So we all agree there should be evidence, but the debate is over what fruit pleases him. We know it's not just religious behavior. The Pharisees were uber religious. They had the behaviors down and they couldn't see God when he walked right in front of them. That's how far away from God they were, even though they were doing right behavior. Remember he said, whitewashed tombs. Outwardly, you look, you look righteous. But inside, you're full of dead men's bones. You're full of hypocrisy and self-indulgence. Everything you do, you do for yourself. And then Luke 18, 9, the man at the temple, one said, Father, you know, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. I need your help. I'm a sinner. The other guy... Jesus said that guy was justified. The other guy said, Father, I, he prayed to himself. <laughs> it literally says that. He prayed to himself and said, God, I thank you I'm not like that man. And guess what he said? He said, I tithe and I fast. Those are two biblical things. But Jesus said he wasn't justified. It's not just behavior. And then the coup de gras, Matthew 7, 22 and 23. Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name? And did we not do wonders in your name? And he said, depart from me. I never what? Knew you. Gnosko. We didn't have any kind of experiential, one-on-one, personal, intimate relationship together. You did stuff, but I don't know you. And everything you did, you did apart from me. Sobering, isn't it? And that's our heart for you. If you're visiting here with us, that's our heart for you at Grace Church is that you encounter and experience Jesus Christ. And I don't just mean historical Jesus. I mean present day by the Spirit rose again in the present tense Jesus Christ who's alive and well by His Spirit. Amen? That you experience Him by the Spirit and by His Word so that what? So that you can know Him. John 17, 3, this is eternal life. Jesus said that you know uh, God, the one only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And the word is gnosko. To know Him personally, intimately, not second-hand information is what Bible Hub says. So it's not just doing things the Bible says. The key is that everything we do, we do with Him and we do from Him because we're of Him and we're with Him. 
Amen. It's about a marriage. It's about a union. You know, when you have union in the natural marriage, face-to-face intimacy, you bear fruit. And their names are Billy and Jimmy and Sally. In the same way, everybody say in the same way. In the realm of the Spirit, when you have a face-to-face, personal, intimate union between you and Christ, your husband, you're going to bear fruit after your husband's kind. Not by working your head off to prove how much you love him, but by receiving from him. A wife can run around the bedroom all night long and tell her husband how much she loves him. She can go do the dishes and say, see how much I love you? She can clean up the yard. See how much I love you? Until she receives of him, she'll never bear fruit after his kind. Yeah, amen. So there should be fruit and evidence from our union with Christ. And I think it's possible that of the 70% of Americans who say they're Christians, not all 70% have a personal union with Jesus Christ. I think what they might have is, well, I go to church or, well, my grandma prays for me or, well, I, I do better, you know, more good than somebody else. The standard is not somebody else. <laughs> the standard is Jesus Christ. And if you really see him, you'll know you need him. <laughs> You're not doing this on your own. So we talked about our connection. Look at this. We define a disciple uh, as those who abide in Christ. All day, every day, we want to walk and talk with him and live out our union with our husband. And that leads to his ways, the character of Christ being formed in us. So see, our connection to Christ, it was gifted to us, but we participate. And it produces the character of Christ. I began this journey, you know, a couple of months ago. Lord, make me the type of man inwardly that routinely does what you say. I didn't say make my behavior better. He's not after better behavior. He's after better men. Who inwardly their soul matches what's happened in their spirit. Because when you got born again, if you were six foot 200, you walked out of that church six foot 200. You did not change outwardly out here. You changed in here. But Christ goes to work through our abiding, through our the reality of our connection and forms His goodness in us. And we become a good person. My personality has changed since I met Jesus. I used to only think about myself. Now granted, I was a teenager. So it came naturally to me. But really, it comes natural to all of us, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, look at the world. Yikes. All right, and then that leads to works. Where the conduct of Christ, there should be evidence. We can't just say, man, God really loves us and God loves you, Charlie. Remember James said that. Don't say, be warm, be fed, God loves you, see you later. Right? A guy comes in, he's hungry, he's poor, he's broken. James said, don't just say, well, I hope it gets better for you. God loves you. There there should be evidence. We should be doing the works of Christ. So my connection to Christ produces the character of Christ in me. And then out of who I am in Christ, there's the conduct of love. I'm abiding in love. I'm connected to love. He's a person. I become a loving person myself because that word is at work in me. And then from there, love has conduct. So in the ways, the character of Christ, you have Galatians 5.22, fruit of the Spirit. You have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. You already have it. Touch your neighbor and say, you already have it. 
You're not trying to conjure it. You're trying to dance with it and exude with it. You're, you're studying it. You're getting to know it. You're receiving it on a daily basis. But you also, not only, those are all nouns in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. But you have the conduct, the action verb. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is kind. Are you ready for this? Love keeps no record of wrong. Love has action. Well, I tell you, I love God and He loves me. Really? Why don't you forgive anybody then? Because you can't say that the love of God has exploded in your heart and you keep a record of everybody's wrongs. You know what? One of the things I, I love a lot about Jesus, one of the things I really love and admire about Jesus, He never created debt in His mind towards other people. Like, you know, when Peter denied him three times, remember when he got out his notebook and said, I'm keeping a record of that. <laughs> you know what, Peter? You know what? Your mother-in-law is sick again. I just made her sick again because you didn't treat me right. <laughs> Jesus never created debt. Why? He was full. He was love walking around. Well, who are you? You're love walking around. You're a chip off the old block. You're of your father. You're not of your father, the devil. You're of your father, God now. And when you read 1 Corinthians 13 today, this afternoon, you go through and you say, love is patient, love is kind, etc. And then I want you to say, Jesus is patient, Jesus is kind. And then the third time I want you to say, Steve is patient, Steve is kind. Because that's who you are. And when he, when you go to 7-Eleven and you're tempted to steal the candy bar, guess what he's not going to say to you? He's not going to say, uh, don't steal that. He's going to say, you are not a thief. He's going to touch on your identity, not your behavior. You are not a thief. You are born of God. You are patient, kind. How about this? Generous. You not only steal from 7-Eleven, you are a generous person just like your dad. Somebody give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, don't forget on this model right here, the left side, if you go from, hey, I got saved at church today, I'm connected to Jesus, and then you go try to do works without Him, I call it the bypass to burnout. The fast lane, right, we've been there, haven't we? <laughs> Derek and I have been there, we've talked about it. Bypass to burnout via self-effort. Brother Ron Garman, one of the elders, was sharing with us yesterday at Prayer Shield. Remember when Moses struck the rock the first time, worked out good? Why? Because God told him to do it. Second time, the Lord didn't tell him to do it, and he struck it twice. And God rebuked him for it. Religion says, this worked before. Let me do this again. And I don't need God to do it. I've learned how to do it. Okay? Branches do not learn how to live separate from the vine. And you're a branch. So you derive everything you are from Him. Every day. Amen? Amen. Every day. Look at this. Consistent abiding produces an obedient and active faith from our heart. That's the key. You're new in your heart. Your motive. Could you imagine if the church in America went door-to-door evangelizing so that we could come back and tell Everybody else in church, how many people we got saved today? Thank you, Ron, for your honesty. How about this one? Let's go out witnessing because the more we do, the more stars we'll get in our crown. Self-serving, 
independent, listen, lack mindset. What do you have? Or sorry, what do you lack that Christ didn't bring to you? What do you not have is what I was trying to say. You have everything that pertains to life and godliness. The only crown you need to worry about when you get to heaven is the one you're going to lay down at Jesus' feet. That's what you need to know about crowns. Because nobody's up there going, well, I tell you, Ron, I, your, your jewels are way shinier than mine on this crown. I tell you, I am totally lacking. I don't think anybody in heaven's doing that. Matter of fact, Pentecostals and Baptists are slapping high five in heaven. Am I right? The Methodists are like, yay, we made it. There's no separation. We're all excited and consumed with him. And Jesus had a simple prayer on earth as in heaven. Think about it. All right. I didn't get very far. So we look like Jesus in character and nature from the inside out. We're not whitewashed tombs. We're pure on the inside. Our motives are pure. When I share my faith with my neighbor, it's because I love my neighbor. There's nothing to earn, nothing to gain, nothing to prove. I'm doing it because I really love him. That's authentic Christianity. My goodness. That's good, Lord. He said in the same way, you know, when I gave my son, I didn't do all that because I, I needed something. I, I sacrificed myself for humanity because I am love. And I am full. And I lack for nothing. And I saw humanity lacked for everything. That's who we are. That is our dad. And we're born of him. Everybody say we're born of him. him. DNA means divine nature of the almighty. You have the divine nature of God on the inside of you. All that pertains to life and godliness. So from the, uh, we have his nature from the inside out. We're conformed to his image and our obedience is a byproduct of our love relationship with him. Isn't that so much better than religion? Religion is like, man, Lord, I I obeyed you. What do I get? Or, Lord, I didn't obey you. I am in big trouble now. Like God's separate from us, cheering or booing your every move. He's in you. You ever seen the cartoon where the guy's sweating? He's praying. He's fervently praying, God, please be with me. And then it shows God and he's got his hand by his mouth. He says, I'm in you. Yet we're asking, be with me. I am with you. I'm in you. The reason I died for you is so and cleansed you of all sin was so I could move inside of you and talk to you. My goodness. I love that one. So, is there a difference then in that 70%? Maybe, maybe they have him as Savior. Maybe they're not really born again. Maybe they don't know him as Lord. I don't know. Lord means boss, absolute owner, supreme ruler. Lord means he's president, not just resident in your heart. All right, everybody say, I love Brother Steve. Just need a hug before I give you this. Now, this is right out of the Bible. (laughs) Okay, I didn't write this. The disciple Jesus loves. He wrote this. How about this? Look at First John 2, 3. We know that we have come to know God if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know God, but doesn't do what He says is a liar. Oh. And the truth is not in Him. 
Wow. Who's the truth? Christ. So what is he saying? There should be evidence. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made mature in him. Okay. Mature in him. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Isn't that interesting? Josh Kirkus was telling me the other day when he was a teenager, he really feared God. And he said it was pretty unhealthy, honestly. But it helped me. I was so wayward and carnal. That fear at least helped keep me in line where I didn't hurt myself too much or other people. But he said that fear went away over time. As I got to know the Lord, um, love cast out all my fear. And I, I was doing my best to walk with him because I love him. But he said now, in this time in my life, I know him. And because I know him, I want to do the things he says. Well, that's what First John 2 is saying. And, and please do not, don't lament or fear this scripture. Are you ready? Use it as an indicator. It's not a club. The law of the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life to this letter. The Spirit in you wants to coach you up. He's not, he's not condemning you. He's just saying, hey, there should be some evidence. If you say you know Him, maybe, maybe love hasn't been matured just yet in you. So what do we do with that? We say, well, Lord, teach me to love you. Can you mature me in love? It's that simple. This is not a billy club to beat you over the head with. Just use it as an indicator. Why? Because obedience is an indicator of faith and mature love. Obedience is an indicator of faith and mature love. Guilt and condemnation are indicators of the flesh. The flesh is having its way in you if you're feeling guilt and condemnation. Now, if your focus is abiding... And living out the reality of a connection to Christ, you're going to keep His Word. You hang out with Jesus, He'll love you into loving. He'll mature you in love. Because He's the most mature there is. What's the highest form of maturity in the body of Christ? I was, I was asked that the other day. Well, no, actually I, I asked that question because somebody called and said uh, they were looking for mature believers. We only want mature believers to do this. I said, how do you define mature? Oh, you know, people that do this and that. Oh, really? (laughs) People who have been through the training. I'm like, oh my gosh. The highest form of maturity in Scripture is love. The mature love of God. Romans 8, 14, which I shared with them, says those who are led by the Spirit of God are the mature sons of God. Those who are led... By the Spirit of God. Not completed a program. Amen. Amen. Listen to Hebrews 11.8. Listen to this. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. How do we get faith? Listen. Live the reality of your connection. He'll speak to you and He'll inbirth faith. Uh, faith is in the Word of God. The words He's speaking to you, rhema, relational word, there's faith in it. So when you receive it, there's faith to execute it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. By faith, Abraham obeyed God. Obedience comes from faith, not our independent attempts at self-righteousness. I'm preaching good. Amen? That's a good word. 
Romans 14, 23. Anything not from faith is sin. Anything not from the living voice in birthing faith is sin. Why were the Pharisees rebuked even though they're keeping all the rules because they're doing it independent of God? They made a religion out of it. They made a monopoly out of it. People bring their their sheep or their dove to the temple, they would reject it and say, no, you need to buy this one. That one's not fitting. This one's fitting and it's a hundred bucks. Do you see the problems that Jesus was encountering with man-made religion? Well, this is so good. How about this? Obedience doesn't come from somewhere outside of God. Obedience, listen to me, church, does not come from somewhere outside of God. If it does, it produces death every single time. Just like Moses when he struck the rock. It's not what God was after. So our obedience is rooted in our receptivity and living with our Father as our source and reality. You know, He's the vine, we're the branches. Everything I am in Christ is already downloaded into me. It's in my spirit. So now I just get it uploaded to my mind. You have everything in your spirit because Christ is there. You're not going outside of Christ for healing. Healing is already in you. He's in you. Amen. 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 And so what's been downloaded to your spirit at the new birth and the presence of the spirit now needs to be uploaded to your mind. It's like a computer. You can get stuff downloaded on a computer, but then you got to upload it on the screen. So now it becomes your reality. What's in my spirit is now my reality. As many as are led, taught, guided by the Spirit of God, these are the mature sons of God. They're, they've been able, they've walked with the Lord long enough that that which has been downloaded in their spirit is now their conscience reality. Conscious, sorry, reality. Amen. So anything not derived from the living voice that's in birthing faith, uh, faith is sin. We don't want to do anything independent of God or we're going to be missing the mark. But how many of you know there is cooperation? I can yield to his living voice or his indwelling nature. How many of you know I don't need a thus saith the Lord uh, when I'm tempted at 7-Eleven to steal a payday? Which I'm picking. I've never been tempted to steal a payday that I can remember. I'm just just grasping. You know? <laughs> I don't need to pray about that. You say, well, that sounds like, I mean, you're saying you need a word from God not to steal it. No, I can, and I can not only derive faith from the living word and the living voice, but I also operate in faith from the divine nature of the almighty that's in me. I am not a thief. Does that make sense to you? Derek, why does Derek know he shouldn't steal the candy bar? He's not waiting for God to, you know, speak to his spirit to confirm it. I guess he could if he wanted. But then it would be like he didn't know. He knows because the Holy Spirit's been given to him and bears witness of the truth on the inside of us. And can I say it again? He's not going to say, the Holy Spirit's not going to say, don't steal that. He's going to say, you're not a thief. You are generous. You are kind. You are of your Father, Almighty God. All right, you ready, everybody? 
You ready for this one? We produce what our Father provides and supplies from within us. This is what we produce. I'd like to call this segment of the message, Who's Your Daddy? (laughs) (laughs) Who's your daddy? Because you will intrinsically do some things that your dad passed to you. Am I right? Remember that time, Sylvia? You know, most people, when they scratch their head, they do it like this, right? I'm looking in the mirror about 10 years ago, and I do it like this. I thought, oh, my gosh, it's my dad. My dad scratched his head. I'd never seen anybody do it, and now I'm doing it. We produce what our Father provides and supplies, His DNA from within us. This is so crucial, guys. This is big. Okay, you're not self-generative. You're deriving an expression from your Father. Now, why is this important? Because this is why it's important. Lucifer is no longer your Father. Yeah, everybody said, thank God. Lucifer is no longer my daddy. Here's the word pater, defined in the Greek. This is the word for father, like our father who art in heaven. Jesus introduced... Nobody in the Old Testament called God Father. Nobody. They wouldn't even write His name barely. They wouldn't write God's name. Jesus shows up, says He's one with Almighty God, and refers to Him as Dad. No wonder they wanted to kill Him. Really, they thought it was that was the utmost disrespect. But He said... They said, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, start like this, our Father. The word is pater, originator, progenitor. One you're in intimate connection and relationship with. That's right out of the Strong's, guys. Right out of Bible Hub right there. Originator, the one you originated from. Jessica Cox, one of our leaders at 612 Youth, which is going super well. Guys, 612 youth is going. If you got young people, 6th through 12th grade, man, get them here on Wednesday nights. Now, this Wednesday we'll be at the Whitlock's house, so <laughs> make a note of that. But she did a study at youth 612, and the, the word she used was authentic. What is an authentic Christian? It means of undisputed origin. If 70% of Americans claim to be Christ followers, that God is their father, where is the undisputed evidence of their origin, of who they're from? And you can get mad at the world all you want, but they're simply of their father, the devil. They're lost. Listen to this. Authentic means those who faithfully resemble the original. That only happens when God is our Father. Let's go to John chapter 8, verse 37. Here we go. Touch your neighbor and say, who's your daddy? (laughs) I hope we get this. I hope we get it. I've been praying for you. I've been praying, Stephen, that we would get it. Myself included. John 8, 37, Jesus said, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Oh, yeah. Come on, Holy Ghost. Verse 38, I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you've seen with your father. Now, tie that to Jesus Christ who says a few times in Scripture, I only do what I 
see my father do. Now I'm telling you, help me Holy Ghost, because I get excited and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I want you to see the power of who you've originated from. And when you mix the word of God with faith, power will explode in your heart. You'll see it and you'll be it. You need to see it so you can be it. This is when Jesus is, is teaching. He's not a philosopher. Okay. He's not hypothesizing like this could be true or I'm a great philosopher. So let me throw this out at you and you can think about it like the Greeks would do. He's not that way. When he, when he teaches something, he's giving you the stone cold truth, the facts of reality. And he's saying the reality is you do what you've seen with your dad. You do inherently what you've seen with your father. Verse 39, they answered and said to him, Abraham's our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Why is he saying that? Because it's a law. If you're of your father, God, you'll do the works of your dad. This is in you. You'll look in the mirror and instead of scratching like this, you'll do this. He'll be in you. And I know what you're thinking because I've been there and I've lamented it. I've cried over it. Where I've been like, God, if I'm of you, why do I do dumb things? Why does this happen, Lord? How come everything doesn't come out perfectly? And he said, it is a process. He who began a good work in you, Steve, he is faithful to complete it. And he said, you prove that you belong to me and you're begotten of me two ways every day. Listen to me carefully. Two ways you prove it every day. By the things you lament you did wrong and the things you celebrate that you did right. Does that make sense? So even when you blow it, the fact you don't want to live there, the fact you realize this is not who I am, there's no life in this, you're proving who your father is. World, the world doesn't care. The stuff they're drafting up right now and throwing at us, they don't care. They don't care about anybody. I really think the love of money is so much of it of the indoctrination that's going on in our country. Information is indoctrination. Don't kid yourself. The Internet's also known as the information superhighway. And I'm not saying the, the Internet is evil. I'm saying it's, uh, what's it when you, you're not good or evil? Amoral. It's amoral. It simply reveals the character of the one that's using it. Just like money. Money's not bad. The love of money is bad. Money simply reveals the nature of the one who has it. So, Abraham is our dad. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. Are you tracking with me there? We produce what our father's nature in us provides. We have a memory of what our first father gave us, the devil. And you can't underemphasize the renewing of the mind. You must renew your mind to the truth and to who you really are now in Christ, that you are made new. You're not who you used to be. Because sin is still at work in you. Even the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7.20, and it will be until we shuck the earth suit, Romans 7.20, he said, the things I do that I don't want to do, it's not me, it's sin that indwells me. He literally said that. It's not me. 
It's sin that indwells me. And I can fix all of your sin problem today. How many of you would like to be free of sin? I mean, just I can do it for you right now. Just somebody grab me a bat. And I'll, as soon as I hit you over the head, there you go. When you shuck the earth suit, you're free. <laughs> your first father, the Adams family, passed this on to you. All right. So we prove it every day by what we celebrate or what we lament. Satan's nature is independence, though. It's earning. It's deserving. Satan's nature is, I don't need God. That's why the Moses thing, he got rebuked for that because he didn't get that from God. He just went and did it. Same with us. We need, we need to be living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how Jesus resisted uh, the devil in the wilderness. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'm of him, so I'm listening to him. I'm his son. So I'm walking with him. This is huge. You know, in John 16, Jesus said, Do not think that I have to go to the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. He loves you. The Father wants you. John 16, round verse 21 through 27 in there. Matthew 6.10, pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven. The Father wants you. Father wants family. He wants sons and daughters to fill the earth with His glory, with His nature, to reveal to the earth who He really is. Amen. All right, let's keep going. Verse 40. But now you seek to kill me, a man who's told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. Verse 41. You do the deeds of your father. You do the deeds of your father. This is a law. You do the deeds of your father. Well, I did a misdeed there. Yes, but you can hear his voice. That seed is at work in you. He's convicting you of righteousness. This is who you really are. And then they said, they just keep digging the deeper hole. They said to him, well, we're not born of fornication. Okay, so not Abraham. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth. I came from him, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. He says later, if I came here bearing witness of myself, if I bragged on myself, you'd follow me. Why? Luciferianism. Self-exaltation. We don't need God. It's all about me. But because he testifies that I'm only here because the Father sent me. I'm here on his behalf. I'm here to do whatever he says. I'm I'm, uh, under his leadership. They rejected him. Because he wouldn't bear witness of himself. And then he says, why do you not, um, why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. And how many know he's not talking about with their ears? The heart. With the heart is how you hear. Parable of the sower. He goes on to say, they said, why are you speaking parables? So that seeing they won't see and hearing they won't hear and with their hearts they can't perceive. He's not talking about, they don't have a hearing problem. They have a listening with the heart problem. Verse 44. He says, you are of your father the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. Are you listening to me? Can I get up here so you really get it? Listen to me. Because you're of God, you want to do the things that God wants to do. 
And will you, will you just begin to feed on that? Would you just please renew your mind to that? Would you begin to realize you are a new creation? That you're, you're begotten of God. Truth is in you. And you prove it every day when you lament the big piece of stupid. It's proof he's in you. You are of your father, the devil, the desires of your father you want to do. I'm telling you, church, the desires of your heavenly father you want to do. And the reason that seems hard for you to grasp is because we're carnal. We're not spiritually connected enough to hear and know and recognize the truth of what the Spirit of God has placed in Scripture for you. Does that make sense? But guess what? You're not stuck there. We can grow. We can mature in our understanding that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God and we want to do what Dad wants us to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and doesn't stand in the truth. Look at this, because there's no truth in him. Satan is not of God. He is not begotten of God. Truth, 1 John 5, 6 says, the Spirit is the truth. The Spirit of God is not in Satan. But it is in you. And I'm admonishing you by the Holy Spirit today to study this out. Don't just take my word for it. Study this out. Research it. Does the Father really want sons and daughters of His kind to fill the earth? I am not praying. You can find this in John 17. I am not praying that God will take us all out of the world. But I am praying He'll keep us from the evil one. His desire is to fill the earth with His glory. As the water covers the seas, man, let the earth be filled with His nature. Who He really is and the best way to do it is make sons and daughters of His own kind who receive of Him, derive of Him. Let that DNA go to work deep down in your heart and your spirit. This is who I am. Use the Scriptures as a mirror. The the, the Scriptures are a mirror to who you really are. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and saw the glory of God? Usually it's like, well, wrinkles. I could lose a few pounds here. Look in the mirror and see the glory of the Lord. Look into the Word of God and see who He's made you to be. And guess what it says? As we do it, we're transformed into His very own image by the Holy Spirit. You know what that? That's effortless change. I grew up in church working my head off to try to be like God. Effortless change is I need to behold as in a mirror who He says I am. And understand, God cannot lie. If He says you're His Son, righteous and pure and holy, then guess what you are. That is that is who you are. And I get it. It's in your spirit. But man, let that go to work in your soulish man, in your person, forming himself in, in you to such magnificence. You routinely do what he asks. It's like you learn to play the piano, right? The piano, the, the, uh, the aficionado of pi- pi- <laughs> piano players... Always hits the right notes at the right time because they're, it's just in them. So that's what he desires to do with us. 
Look in the mirror. Effortless transformation. Keep looking. Why? God cannot lie. Number two, truest thing about you is what God says about you, not how you feel. How about this? Your feelings are not the highest determiner of truth in the universe. Humble yourself. Your feelings can't even tell if a movie is real. And yet we're going to bank on, I tell you by God, how do I know I'm not forgiven? I'm not right with God? Because I feel that way. Deception. Truest thing about you is what God says about you. How about this? If your view of you doesn't match God's view of you as a new creation, as his son, as his daughter, guess who's wrong? You are. Humble yourself. Did you know the most humble thing you can do is agree with who God says you are in his word? That's the most humble thing you can do is agree with him. Yeah. If knowing the truth sets a man free, then believing a lie will set us into bondage. Our world is lost because they do not hear or receive the truth. They're to the point now they think they are their own truth, which is Luciferianism. That there is no truth. You just make up whatever you want to be. Whatever you are, we determine truth. No, we don't. We discover truth. And when you discover the truth, the truth will set you free. You do not determine the truth. There are laws at work in the universe that we have to come to terms with. Not, not fantasize about, well, this is true for me and may not be true for somebody else. So um, how far did I get there? So much of this is in the book, The True You, of what I just, there's firewalls of truth in the very last page of the book. God can't lie. Truest thing about you is what God says about you. There's truth that exists about you beyond how you think, feel, and believe about yourself. There's truth about you that exists beyond how you behave. And people think, well, if I didn't behave that way, it's not true about me. I'm telling you, humans behave a certain way, and it doesn't reveal what's true about them. It reveals they've believed a lie about themselves. And the reason they're hateful and ugly and they live an unloving life is because they don't believe they're loved. So it is a lie. Not the truth about them. It is a lie that is determining behavior. True you. Out on the bookshelf. (laughs) So he says he was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth. There's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. Vine branch. When you got born again, 1 Peter 1.23, the Father placed in you an incorruptible seed. You've been born again. I'm quoting to you 1 Peter 1.23. Verse 22 is awesome. It says, Receive with meekness the implanted Word of God that's able to save your soul, make you into a person that looks like your Father that what's in your spirit's coming out of you. And in verse 23, you've been born again with an incorruptible, imperishable seed, the Word of God that lives and abides forever. Guess what the word seed is in the Greek? Sperma. You've been born again with an incorruptible seed, the Word of God. I think that's... I know it's in there at least once. I think it's that particular passage. If I'm wrong, you can email me. (laughs) So he speaks of his own resources because he's a liar and he's the father of all lies. That, is that it? Yeah, that's the end of that. All right. Did that bless you? Does that make sense? Go ahead and give the Lord praise. He's good.
Scott, you guys can go ahead and come. The world is simply producing what their father, who they originated from. So you can get mad at them if you want. Or what you can do is share your faith with them and introduce knowing Jesus Christ to them. Do not introduce religion to them. Religion can't help anybody. Man's proven that time and time again. Do you realize if sermons were going to change the world, certainly America would already be changed. Sermons aren't the end-all, be-all. The only reason I'm up here is I want you equipped to knowing Him, listening to His voice, so that when you get out there, you live as a priest in the kingdom of God. You live as a son. You live as a daughter. That you're His offspring. Bless you. You have to come to peace with the fact that you're a born-again child of God. And if you've prayed that prayer, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Would you please save me? Forgive me of my sins. If you asked Him sincerely, He came in. You have to come to terms with who you really are and who your Father is. You are not of the world. 1 John 2.15, whoever loves the world or the things in the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Oh, sorry, 15 says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. Uh, for the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, all those things, they're not of God. Whoever loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But let this love and gratitude that you're his child be your motive and reason for your obedience. Come out of religious mindsets. You're not doing anything apart from him. Hear me, you're not doing anything apart from him that's going to bear lasting fruit. So our love and our gratitude is our motive for our our obedience. I like to say it this way. You've heard me say, I want to be naturalized to obedience. And he said, Steve, you're naturalized to obedience because my nature is in you. If I ran out today and I tried to throw the whole thing in the trash, said, well, Stacy, I'm just going to go out here and I'm going to sin, sin, sin all day long, I wouldn't be able to do it. I would be a mess. I would wreck myself. Why? Because my heart belongs to another. It doesn't belong to the world. My heart is of my dad. Amen? My heart is of my dad. So what's the byproduct of this reality being walked out. It's all been downloaded to your spirit. And like I said earlier, we're going to upload it to our mind with a renewed mind using the scriptures, the Holy Spirit. It becomes my reality and my present tense conscience is aware of truth. The byproduct is good fruit. Christ-like character, Christ-like conduct, actually participating with the connection I've been given to my dad, walking with him, talking with him, and I get my being now in front of my doing. Most Christians get the cart before the horse and they think it's all about doing. I already proved that to you. It's not about doing. You can cast out demons in his name and he, he might say, I don't know you. We don't want that. Okay? So you got to get your being. Who am I? Begotten of God, his son, his daughter. My being is what leads to my doing. Not, by, not vice versa. I don't do something to become something. I already am something, therefore I do something. The authority needed to share your faith, to bring others, to know Christ, to advance God's kingdom flows out of your identity as a child of God. It doesn't flow out of a command you were given. Are you listening to me? 
It flows out of your love relationship and connection with your Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit inside of you. So in your in understanding your identity as an offspring, you begin to walk in the integrity and the character and the nature of God. Your constant connection bears the fruit of the character of Christ and then the conduct of Christ. The world needs to see you. I'm not praying that He takes you out of here. I'm praying the world sees you. I'm praying that you figure out who you are in Christ and humble yourself and agree with who God says you are. Everything I've given you today is Scripture. I'm not making this up. As a matter of fact, in that True You book, page 3, page 4, there's like 30 Scriptures. I dug them out. Get up every day. I am a child of God, Romans 8, 16. I am forgiven, Colossians 1.14. I am the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. These are all straight out of the Bible. And if you go back to 1 John 2, remember when he said, whoever says they know him but doesn't do what he asks is a liar. That's what John was talking about. People will do out of the nature of their father. And I think what he's saying to us is he wants to show you who you are. We do get deceived. We get distracted. We've got to get back in that mirror, right? Get back in the mirror remind ourselves who we really are and who we came from. God is our Father. Will you stand with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Brother Steve, I don't know Jesus Christ, but I want to be born again. I'm tired of this old world. I am tired of my self-centeredness. I am tired of trying to do this on my own. I want to receive the living voice and the living Christ the living word. I want to receive a relationship on the inside of me birthed by the hand of Almighty God. That's what I want today. If that's you, would you raise your hand up and say, pray for me. I want it right now. I want to know the Lord. Anybody? I want to be born again. I want to be born of the Spirit. If you guys see somebody, help me out. I don't see anybody. Oh, you guys got your heads bowed, don't you? This light is bright, so... what we have a treasure in an earthen vessel i'm just an earthen vessel <laughs> all right sounds like we're all family how many of you with a sincere heart would say i want to i want to discover in that mirror the word of god by the spirit of god i want to discover who i am as a son or a daughter how many of you would say that open your open your hand just like this we'll pray for you father lord it's not by might or power but not by human might or power but by your spirit that this happens and we're arrested Lord in our heart today you're our father and would you forgive us when we've forgotten that we've been distracted from that but Lord you taught this law that's at work within us that we by nature do the deeds of our father and we sever ties this morning maybe that's what those scissors were about we sever ties this morning with that old Luciferian identity the old Adam uh, identity that we got given to us when we got born into this natural body Lord, we, we shuck that, we sever ties, and we embrace our identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God, born of His Spirit, born of His Word. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody said, Amen. Come on, give Him praise.